Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 32, and I want us to begin reading at verse 24 down to verse 32. And it reads, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou doest ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach a little while from this text in Genesis chapter 32 and its larger context uh, in the book of Genesis. And this is the subject I want to offer to us, cornered but still covered. A few days ago, I had to, of necessity, to contact my insurance company to clarify a coverage concern. We usually check our coverage when we anticipate a crisis or a loss or we are experiencing one. This textual snapshot of the patriarch Jacob affords all of us an opportunity to check our coverage. In this text, we find one of the most, for the lack of a better word, duplicitous, one of the most unusual characters in all of the Old Testament. We find him in this text 
cornered, but still covered. In the popular vernacular, the word cornered means, among other things, it means trapped, it means ensnared, it means confined, it means restricted, and all of these descriptions may in fact be a description of how somebody here may be feeling. You may be feeling as if you have no options. You've been dealing with something and you are backed up in a corner. But this text is a reminder that while God's child can be cornered, we can also have the assurance that we are still that we are still covered. Yes, he was cornered. In fact, if you read the context of the passage in chapter 31, he is cornered by Laban because Laban has come after him, his father-in-law with a great host. He had raised Laban's eye and anger. And somehow he is able to have an amicable parting with Laban. But on the horizon is Esau. And Esau is coming to meet him with another great host. You'll see that he was cornered. But despite being cornered, he was still covered. And as I thought about that, and this whole notion began to play and to impact upon my mind, I saw some movements in this passage. First of all, what was Jacob cornered by? And then the next part of the passage revealed to me what Jacob was covered by. And that's really how the structure of the message is. We're going to look at what cornered him, and then we're going to look at what covered him. Jacob, first of all, was cornered by the darkening shadow of his past. Jacob's name was synonymous with his character. His name means to grasp at the heel. His name means to supplant. His name means to deceive. We should have known when we saw this birth narrative of this boy and his twin Esau that there was going to be some problems down the road. Because when they were born, as Esau, the firstborn, exited the womb, the secondborn, younger boy, twin, Jacob, grabbed his heel, and he was given the name Jacob. And if you study the book of Genesis, you will find that two times he cheated his brother. At least once, he and his mother conned his aging father. But now Esau was on the horizon with a large army. And Jacob's past had FedExed him a payment due notice. That's what your past will do because Jacob is a remarkable example, a sterling example of the truth. What goes around will show enough come around. You might slide, but you cannot hide. 
Word of God says, whatsoever man soweth, that he shall also reap. Now, grace will cushion us sometimes for the consequences, but your and my mess will catch up with us. Dr. Warren Wiersbe has an excellent expositional commentary on the book of Genesis, and he calls this particular chapter, I love his title, it's catching up with yesterday. That's what Dr. Wiersbe calls this chapter of 32, his commentary on catching up with yesterday. But early this morning, I said, you know, if I was going to title it, I would title it yesterday catching up with us. And so one of the things that cornered Jacob, I hope you see it in the text, is the darkening shadow of his past. The other thing that cornered him was the disruptive shattering of his power and prestige. Our text begins with the words, and I hope you saw it in verse 24. Look at at the phrase again. It says, and Jacob was left alone. This is profoundly significant. Jacob was cornered not just because of the darkening shadow of his past errors and sins, but he was also cornered because of the disruptive shattering of his delusions of power and self-worth. What happens in this text, as he anticipates the arrival of Esau's army, is that he sends his wives, he sends his servants, he sends his children, he sends all of his possessions ahead of him. And here we find him in this chapter at the River J. Box, separated from his wives, separated from his wealth, separated from his warriors. And Jacob's life, perhaps for the first time in a long time, has become disrupted. Disrupted because no longer could he wiggle his way out of a problem. Let me put it this way, life's circumstances had fractured and factored his experience down to the lowest common denominator. One thing about losing stuff and losing relationships is that they have a way of forcing us to look up. Let me put it this way. Some of you didn't get that. They have a way. These trying experiences have a way of forcing us to bow down, stripped of earthly support, stripped of material security. I have a feeling that so many people in these last few months of economic and financial crisis have turned their face to God. You know you growing in the faith when you start thanking God for the prayers he didn't answer. For the things he didn't give you. For the stuff you had to do without. You know you're growing because you realize while it was painful when you were going through it. If it had not been for that. You can look up tomorrow and everything you have is gone. And so he was cornered by the darkening shadow of his past. He was cornered by the disruptive shattering of his power. But that's not how the text ends. 
text ends with Jacob being covered. We move from what cornered him to what covered him. He was covered, the text would suggest, first of all, by the dynamic sharing of his predicament and pain. Here he finds himself stripped of earthly support. Bible says, I ain't making it up, it's in the text, said he was left alone. By application and implication, God may give us up to our whims, our wits, and our wishes. God will never give up on us. The essence of Christianity, our covenant faith, is that we serve a God who will come alongside of you when you are in trouble. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was cornered by the Nazi regime, brilliant German theologian who died much too young, but refused to justify the atrocities of Nazism. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, as he described God, he said he is the beyond in the midst of the now. That's who the Lord is. He's the beyond in the midst of the now. He will come and see about you. He experienced the dynamic sharing of his predicament and his pain. Because the text would tell us that despite all of his wrong, God had not given up on Jacob. Jacob's fragility, Jacob's frailty, Jacob's vulnerability, his awareness of his weakness made him a candidate for God's grace and God's mercy. Sometimes God got to strip us in order to get us where he want us to be. Sometimes he got to knock us down in order to pick us up. Sometimes he got to hurt us before he can help us. He said now in this text that God came close. Jacob encountered someone in the text that he could not outmaneuver. He encountered someone in the text that he could not defeat. Now there's a lot of controversy about who it is that Jacob wrestled with. On this night at Jabbok, when you read the text and its larger context, it's quite apparent that Jacob was wrestling with a supernatural visitor. He wrestled all night long. You can read it for yourself. But when he called the name of the place, he said, I'm calling this place Penuel because I've seen God face to face. I've wrestled with God face to face. Now that's the clue in the text because nobody has ever seen God the Father and live. God is one in essence and three in person. He's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
the son just didn't show up in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem, but he's always been. I like to think that that night Jesus, in his pre-incarnate Jesus, before Bethlehem Jesus, the angel of the Lord Jesus, he showed up and wrestled with Jacob because he knew that the legacy of Abraham and Isaac he knew that the heritage of the servants of the Lord, he knew that the future of the faith family was residing in this man called Jacob. He wouldn't delegate it to Michael or Gabriel, but Jesus came down and wrestled with Jacob all night, all day. He'll show up. Lord showed up. Yes, he did. I know I'm right about it because some 20 years earlier, on the run from his brother, having wronged Esau, robbed him from his birthright, Jacob slept, and while he slept, he dreamed of a ladder whose top was in heaven and whose base was on the ground. And all night, the angels of God were descending and ascending up the ladder and down the ladder. You see, I'm cornered sometimes, but I got to be reminded that I'm still covered because I've got an angelic escort that travels with me when I'm down and out, nowhere to turn. God shows up. Yes, he does. I've got some guardians that watch over me. But on this night, he wouldn't delegate it to nobody else. He came and wrestled with Jacob all night long. Aren't you glad about it? He was covered by a divine presence, then there's the distinctive shaping of his purpose. He was not only covered by dynamic sharing of his predicament and pain, but by the distinctive shaping of his purpose. Sometime that night, the text tells us that the angel said, what's your name? Do you know who you are? Now, if we admit this is the angel of the Lord, a theophany or a Christophany, you know Jesus don't have to ask questions for information. Say, so what's your name? What's your name? He said, my name is Jacob. Now, you got to put it in context. Because the first time Jacob was asked this question, he was conning his daddy. He was dressed up like his brother. His brother was a hairy man. He had on his version of a fur. And he showed up to his ailing father with the best dish he could cook. His best Esau replication. And when his dad asked him, what your name is? He said, my name is Esau. And in his frailty, his father believed what he said. And he gave Jacob the birthright that belonged to Esau. And now, some 20 years later, the Lord himself said, 
I'm going to give you a makeup exam. You flunked the first test. You destroyed the curve. What's your name? And he said, I know it now. Trouble and trial have helped me know my name. Heartbreak and heartache has helped me know my name. Ins and outs and helped me know my name. He said, my name is Jacob. He said, what's your name? Because what he wanted to do is give him a distinctive shaping of his new purpose. He said, your name shall not be Jacob no more. But now it's going to be Israel. Because Israel means struggle. Israel means wrestle. He said, you're no longer a deceiver. You're no longer a supplanter. You're no longer a conniver. But you are a prince who has struggled with God and struggled with man. Thomas Chalmers, a great Scottish preacher, talked about the expulsive power of new affections. See, sometimes it's not so much of saying no to an old thing that's got you cornered, but finding a new joy, finding a new hope, finding a new love. And when I found Jesus, I found the expulsive power of a new affection because can't nobody do me like Jesus. He was covered by a new purpose, but he was also covered by the disabling symbol of his poverty. God touched the hollow of his thigh and he gave him a limp, something he had to live with. Every time Jacob limped, he thought about that night. I'm telling you, all of us who are God's children today, we all have a limp here. I've got some reminders, external and internal, in my life uh, that can't nobody uh, do me like the Lord. Uh, I can't get up at there. I can't judge nobody else. Uh, I can't run nobody else down. I can't run nobody else's family down because God has uh, been good to me. Uh, he looked beyond my faults uh, and saw my knees. Uh, I was cornered, uh, but I'm still covered. Uh, I've got a limp now, uh, but I'm still covered. Uh, I've been hurt now, uh, but I'm still covered. I've cried now, but I'm still covered. I've been lonely, but I'm still covered. Do we have a witness here? You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. For more information about us and to obtain resources provided by TD Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.